name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Often with a football game, people aren't content to just watch a game the first time. They go back to watch the highlights, to see the replays, to follow the best on ground, to revisit all the stats, to see the best marks and the best goals. That is, of course, unless they're Essendon supporters like me, in which case the best course of action after a game is to forget that it ever happened. But something similar happens on this Sunday where we, we go back to the passion story even after having celebrated the resurrection of Christ. We revisit this story after the fact to see some of the other players at work, the best on ground, as it were, in that most uh, significant moment. And what is startling about this crucial point in time in what is perhaps the most significant event in the history of the world, the remaking of human nature by the God-man Jesus Christ, the action focuses on the loving work of a handful of people performing simple tasks of mercy and devotion, taking Jesus' body down, anointing him and burying him, then rising early on the Sunday to bring spices to his tomb. Among them are Mary Magdalene, Mary the wife of Cleopas, Joanna, Salome, Susanna, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, and we understand that there are many other women too who remain nameless, among them the mother of God. And they are commemorated today with Joseph and with Nicodemus, and I believe that there are many things that we can gather from their actions uh, today. And firstly, I'd like to actually look at the epistle where we find the selection of the first deacons. And I'd like to explain what this has to do with the gospel story today. So we find these deacons chosen to assist the daily distribution of money to the widows of the church community. And it is the beginning of the sacramental diaconate. The word comes from the Greek diakonia, which means service. And the deacons take on the very diakonia, or service, of Christ himself, recalling his words to his disciples, I am in your midst as one who serves. However, with the placement of this epistle text with the gospel story of the myrrh bearers, Joseph and Nicodemus, performing acts of service, we are also reminded of the diaconal role of the whole church. And this is a similar idea to the priesthood of all believers that St. Peter writes about. We have ordained sacramental priests, but we are all called as well to be priestly in a certain manner. That is to be sacrificial mediators of the saving presence of God in this world. In a similar way, all of us are called to be deaconly. That is to live lives of service to other people. Now, this injunction for everyone to act out this role, I believe, is made clear in the parallel that exists between the myrrh-bearing women and a parable that we so recently remembered in Holy Week, and that is the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. In that parable that Christ says, ten virgins are waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. All of them fall asleep due to the lateness of the hour. Some have oil and some don't. When the bridegroom comes, the wise ones enter the feast. Now, in patristic commentary on this parable, to have vessels full of oil is to symbolically have lives of virtue and good deeds. 
and the myrrh-bearing women give us a graphic illustration of what this looks like, practically. They join with Jesus in his suffering and his passion, and they fulfill the deed of mercy of the burial of the dead. Like the wise virgins, they too see the bridegroom, Christ. This parallel gives us an example of what it means to live like the wise virgins. And this is something that in the hymns of Holy Week, we are constantly exhorted to do with oil in their lamps and what it, look, what, what it looks like to have diakonia, service in our lives. So we are all called, men and women, young and old, to be engaged in deeds of mercy and service to the people around us. Another aspect of this story is that we see that the myrrh bearers, Joseph and Nicodemus, in burying Jesus and going to anoint him, are fulfilling what was required of them as Jews. They were being obedient to Deuteronomy 21, 23, which says that when someone is killed on a tree, his body shall not remain all night, but you shall in any way bury him that day. So we are reminded of the need to keep up what is required of us as Orthodox Christians, the spiritual disciplines, even in this time of Paschal joy. A frequent metaphor for the spiritual life is that of ships sailing to a safe harbor. We are like ships that are battered by the storms of the passions and the troubles of life as we seek to reach our safe port in Christ. In this analogy, Lent is like the correcting of the course, right? To get the right bearings and to put our lives back on track. Now, it would be madness for captains of ships to say, we're on course now, we finally found the right way, but it doesn't really matter then if these coming winds and storms throw us off track from now on. And I think a similar thing happens in this season after a fast. We can let the time after a fast take us back off track, losing what we've gained, returning to bad habits, perhaps forgetting prayer, foregoing the divine services, forsaking almsgiving, welcoming back a self-centered existence. Charities often say that they're thankful for the extra help that people give at times like Christmas, like people uh, helping out in soup kitchens and whatnot. But then they say the homeless don't simply exist at that time of the year. They need help 365 days a year. So there's a challenge for us to continue to do good deeds and make them a focus in our lives. Were we less attached to material things in Lent? Let's keep it up. Did we pray more? Let's build on that. Did we make an effort to come to more services in Lent? Let's continue to do so. Did we try harder to overcome our sins? Let's keep up the intensity. In Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year, he says. And his repentance was proven in not just being a generous man at Christmas time, but throughout the whole year. Though we may not be fasting in this time between Pascha and Ascension, deeds of service and mercy and the spiritual disciplines should always characterize our lives. And we see this in the assiduous attention the myrrh bearers and these men give to fulfilling their religious duties. Perhaps the most praiseworthy attribute of the people commemorated uh, today are how they keep these things up even when they had every reason not to. The bleakest of times. It literally was. This was the rare moment in all of history when God in the flesh had died and even nature mourned. 
Normally, in times of extreme tragedy and trauma, we understand any response that people have in these times due to the great stress that they are under. And often the behavior of people is not something that they're proud of later. But we understand it, don't we? The disciples all abandon Jesus. Peter denies that he even knew him. But we understand it because we know that they are under extreme stress. We would understand if no one went to ask Pilate for Jesus' body. We would understand if no one went to took Jesus' body down from the cross. And we would understand it if no one, for fear, went to anoint Jesus' body on the Sunday morning with spices. But no. What we find here are people doing honorable, praiseworthy, and incredibly courageous acts under extreme stress. Joseph stands alone asking for Jesus' body from Pilate. Both he and Nicodemus had kept their faith in Christ quiet, but now displayed it for all to see despite the risks. As a group, they took down the dead body of he whom they believed to be Lord. In amidst all the emotions that they were feeling at that time, and we can just use our imagination really to think about how you actually take a body that has been nailed to a cross down. The women rise early and go to bring spices to the tomb, even before working out how the stone was actually going to be rolled away. These acts really are nothing short of incredible. And if they could keep up the practices of their faith and these deeds of love in literally the saddest time of all of human history, then surely can we, in the difficult times that we face, knowing that Christ is risen. We know that he has trampled down death by death, and we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against that. So the myrrh-bearers Joseph and Nicodemus remind us of the diaconal nature of the whole church. That is, her outworking of Jesus' own diaconal mystery of, um, sorry, ministry of service to people in need. The placement of this text with the epistle at this point of the Paschal season reminds us that good deeds and the spiritual practices should characterize our lives at all times and not just in the fasting seasons. We are especially reminded that when times are difficult, it is especially vital that we keep doing what we know to be right, understanding that there is resurrection after crucifixion. Through the prayers of the myrrh bearers, Joseph and Nicodemus, may God help us to do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is Thank you.